and online to gather together to worship God. And we just uh, put our week aside and really just center ourselves at this place uh, to worship God together. So for those people online, <laughs> for those people online, if you see the many emojis behind me, uh, that's the reason uh, the service leader and the team, the production team and everybody involved in the service try very hard to try to engage you online. So last week we only had two emojis, today I had many emojis. So please pick anyone and just type into the chat so that we know that you are actually joining us online and uh, looking forward towards the service. So I'd like to just say uh, a very good morning and a very happy Sunday to all. Uh, let's just prepare our hearts for call to worship. Oh, I forgot to show you the heart. Okay. <laughs> no! Okay. Drawn by God's presence. We gather. Inspired by God's spirit. We worship. Empowered by God's grace. We live. We are community. Embraced by the mystery of God's love for all creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light that shines in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that bring meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds, and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. Now let us join the worship team for a time of worship. of your mercy and your love I will say this is the day that the Lord has made I hold on to your promise and your resurrection power restore to me your joy I will praise you now I will sing of your faithfulness of your mercy and your love I will say this is the day 
We live for you. 
Church, uh, let's begin uh, by preparing ourselves for the time of prayer. To the God of many names, Thank you for your love for us. We want to pray a special prayer of thanksgiving for bringing us together here in FCC, whether on site or at home, whether in Singapore or beyond. Thank you, Lord, for the chance and the opportunity to learn more about you and practice together living out your great commission to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we learn to love ourselves. Forgive us for the times we did not treasure your blessings in our lives or the people you have blessed us with, the challenges and the opportunities that you have blessed us with. We pray, Lord, for your forgiveness for the times we did not have courage to respond to your call and your word for us. We thank you and pray once again, Lord, and commit ourselves to you that we may respond to your prompting and to your movement in our lives. As the Singapore Pride Month comes to a close, Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunities like Ping Dot uh, where we had the chance to minister and be a witness and a testimony of love uh, to the larger LGBT community in Singapore, in the Christian community in Singapore. Thank you, Lord, for the many opportunities to love you and to love each other through our work. We pray a special prayer for those who have been serving in this church or the volunteers or the uh, staff friends and family, every member, near and far, who faithfully comes together to serve you and to worship you. We pray and honour each and every person who has showed up and stands here today with us. Lord, thank you, Lord, for helping us to come together. 
Lord, we pray for everyone in this church who may be struggling in this difficult time to find work uh, and for the many struggles that we may experience because of the pandemic and the opportunities that may be a bit more limited uh, in this time. Lord, we pray and ask that you help us to connect with your comfort and your presence that is always available to each and every one of us. Lord, we pray uh, for anyone who may be struggling to recover from illness. We pray especially for Jonathan, who is um, still recovering. We pray and ask for those uh, like him and also for those who may, may not know about, who may be struggling from, with physical or mental um, health issues. Lord, we pray for recovery and also for continued support within the community. Lord, only you know our pain and you feel our pain. Help us, Lord, to reach out to you and to tap into your comfort. And help us, Lord, to help each other. And help us to help each other. Now let's take a few moments right now to lift up the concerns of our hearts and surrender them to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for being with us in this present moment. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to us in our lives. Help us, Lord, to see and hear you every day of our lives and in every moment. And help us, Lord, to always lean on you, to listen to your voice, to be moved by your spirit, and to always live up to your call for us to follow you. All this we pray in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Consuming fire 
fan into flame A passion for your name Spirit of God Fall in this place Lord have your way Lord have your way Rivers Come like a rushing wind Fill us with power from on high Not set the cat is free us abandoned to your praise. Lord, let your glory fall. Lord, let your glory Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. A passion for your name. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. A passion for your name. Stir it up. In our hearts, Lord, stir it up in our hearts, Lord, stir it up in our hearts, Lord, a passion for your name. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord, stir it up in our hearts, Lord, stir it up in our hearts, Lord, a passion for your consuming fire. Yes. Mm-hmm.
Indeed, God, our Lord, have your way in us. Good morning and welcome. Welcome home. You know, um, we have been using a Mentimeter um, uh, for us to interact during sermon time. Uh, and for those of you who are new, um, we actually have the code on screen. Uh, you can use the QR code as well. Uh, and our code today is, if you go to menti.com, you can type in 7413-1686. 7413-1686. All right? So I, I promise the questions are not going to be too difficult today. So feel free to sign in. There will be some multiple choice questions. So that will make it a little bit easier, okay? But join us because your input and your insights actually help build the sermon. So that's something that we've grown to love, something that we've um, grown to see how rich it can be when a whole congregation, when a whole uh, community come together to do this. All right? Okay. So join us on menti.com. So we're in the midst of our current sermon series, Ecclesia, what it means to be the church. And you know, we cannot talk about Ecclesia without talking about Jesus. Jesus is the central figure in our faith as Christians. But when I think about the history of the church, I think about how the name of Jesus has at times been used and exploited for human beings' own ends to justify exclusion and injustice. And this is still true today. And even we are sometimes guilty of using the name of Jesus to prop up our own preferences and agendas. So I want to start today by asking you the first question. And in your experience, in your knowledge, how has the name of Jesus been used to justify exclusion and injustice? Right? It could be in history, it could be from your own experience, it could be what you see happening in the world today. But how has the name of Jesus been used to justify exclusion and injustice. Yes. A lot of us have had experience with this, right? Jesus hates facts, right? People who hold up those placards at protests, uh, anti-ping-dot people as well, yeah? They make sure you hear of it, right? Jesus is not okay with this. Homophobia, the persecution of the Jews, the traditional family values, that Jesus is for traditional family values, uh, however we make of it, our own agendas, religious wars, racism, the role of women, LGBTQI inclusion, yes. By most right-wing Christians in the US, yes. And thank you for using most, um, because maybe not all, but many. The Spanish conquest of the Americas, yes. Jesus' name has been used in the name of the Crusades, the Spanish conquest, of all kinds of reasons to wage war against other people. And that's scary, right, if you think about it. Abortion, violence against Muslims, Jews versus Gentiles. Someone with mental health issues means they don't believe in God's plan. Oh, that's very, very sad because that's not true. The where white movement, Yes, and we are very familiar with that here in Singapore. Women in leadership, yes. Jesus is not okay with women preaching. I've heard that. Conversion therapy, yes. Colonization, invalidating people because people aren't ready to accept change. Yes, we often tend to try to speak for Jesus, right? What Jesus wants for you and for other people, right? The persecution of scientists, yes. 
for many years in history. The church has actually persecuted those who were at the forefront of science, um, even though we were actually the ones who were ignorant. Racial supremacy, yes. The Bible was used to justify apartheid in South Africa and sectarianism in Ireland, yes. That we need to condemn anything that is deemed wrong by casting them out, by bringing the larger congregation to condemn. Isn't that crazy but true? You know that we actually use the name of Jesus for condemnation a lot more often than for anything else. Our own idiosyncrasies and hypocrisy sometimes, yes. And that's our own reflection right, for ourselves. Against other religions and peoples, I am the only way. Right? And we'll talk about that later, but thank you for bringing that up. The exploitation of slaves. Yes, to justify even slavery, the name of Jesus and the Bible was used. Interracial marriages, yes, which was actually illegal for many years, even in the U.S., uh, until in recent history. The Catholics in the U.S. moving towards weaponizing the Eucharist, yes, and that's a very recent thing that just happened over the past couple of weeks, and we will talk about that later as well. Thank you so much for your uh, input. Those are beautiful. Very, very true and very difficult and challenging situations. The pro-life options, the divorcee, yes. The Jesus hates divorce, right? And people have used that and weaponized that against those who are going through divorce. And how, how terrible is that? When people are going through the most painful times, we actually use the name of Jesus in such a terrible way. So... We know with all our hearts, when we read all this, when we talk about all this, we know with all our hearts that Jesus was for the very opposite of exclusion and injustice. In the Gospels, his radical ways of loving and lifting up the human dignity of all sorts of persons is proof of that. And as a community of Jesus' followers, I think we need to re-encounter Christ in personal and transformative ways. And that's the only way for us to truly be church, to be ecclesia, to re-encounter Christ. Let's first take stock of what our image of Jesus currently is. So I'm going to show you a few images of Jesus. Well, I mean, literal images, okay? Which of these images of Jesus is the most familiar to you? Okay, the most familiar to you, lah. I mean, when you look at it, you go, ah, yeah, that looks like the Jesus in my mind, okay? And I'm going to show you, you can do the voting here. I, I show you that pictures uh, more close up because bigger, right? So you can see better. But you can see the small ones here. So which of these options are the most familiar to you? When you look at it, you go like, oh yeah, yeah, that looks like Jesus. Okay, in your mind. Yes. Yes, you have option one, we have one. Option two, yes, two. Right, option three, yeah, maybe. Yeah, option four, a lot, right? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, which is the most familiar to you? So option one is uh, from a movie. Option two is from the Jesus film, if those of you have actually watched it uh, many years ago. And I'll tell you about option three later. Option four, wow, many of you, right? Very familiar, right? And please continue to just uh, vote. You know, Jesus is one of the most commonly painted figures in Western art. And because of how the church has portrayed Jesus throughout history, in most of our minds, the image of the historical Jesus tends to be more like four, which is like the majority, maybe one, maybe two, right? Very seldom three. And for centuries, the most common image of Jesus Christ 
at least in Western cultures, has been that of a bearded, fair-skinned man with long, wavy, light brown or blonde hair and often blue eyes. And in fact, very few of us would find option three familiar at all. But you know, in 2001, a forensic anthropologist, Richard Neve, created a model of a Galilean man for a BBC documentary, Son of God, working on the basis of an actual skull found in the region. And he did not claim it was Jesus' face, I mean, because we don't know what Jesus really looked like, but it was simply meant to prompt people to consider Jesus as being a man of his time and place, since we were never told that he actually looked very distinctive. What we have been told, though, is that when the conception of Jesus was announced to Joseph, the angel told him that the baby to be born will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel is Jesus' middle name. Jesus came so that we would know we are not alone. Not only is God present with us, Jesus also showed us what it means to have God standing in solidarity with us. God with us. So I'm glad that in recent years, new artwork depicting Jesus as native to one's culture started emerging as we grow to understand more deeply how Jesus is truly God with us. When the FCC group was in Israel a few years ago, and some of you who, are, who went might remember, we visited a church called the Church of the Annunciation in Nazareth. And they have a collection of mosaic paintings contributed by many, many nations with their own local characteristics. And as I looked at the plethora of depictions of Mary and Jesus, it hit me how profound Emmanuel, God with us, truly is. God with us, wherever we may be. And I purposely pulled out the one for Singapore in case you are curious <laughs> what our Singapore contribution is. Uh, but you have others as well. And you can also find that online. You can go see. To actually think about and to reflect how profound Emmanuel, God with us, truly is. You see, Jesus Christ is both the historical Jesus and the universal Christ, both human and divine. I mean, many books have been written about Jesus. The historical Jesus was rabbi, prophet, teacher, miracle worker, political rebel, Jewish peasant. And then there's the universal Christ, the Jesus who resurrected, ascended into heaven, whose spirit is present with us today. And this Jesus is often depicted as surrounded by angels at the altar in many churches. So this historical Jesus and universal Christ is who we seek to know in a deeper way as we allow the Spirit of God to transform us into the likeness of Christ. But who is Jesus really? In Mark 8, Jesus asked his disciples, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And this is an important spiritual question even for us today. Because who we say Jesus is influences our understanding of God and how we live out our lives as the church, as ecclesia. Who do you say that I am 
is the central question of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark as he helps the disciples clarify their relationship to him and with him. And it's also a crucial question for Jesus in clarifying his own identity to them. And we see the progression of questions, right? If you look at that passage in Mark, it says, first, who do the people say that I am? And then he asks them, but who do you say I am? You see, these questions penetrate the heart of all of us, of every Christian's longing for connection with God. Who are you? And with our deepest self and with the world we live in. So let me ask you, who do you say Jesus is? If Jesus was standing here today and said, but you, who do you say I am? How would you respond? What would you say? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And Jesus is many, many names, right? People call him many, many things. And so we have the one, yes, God, yes, love. I see friend, and I see many who say friend, yes. Savior and a friend, yes. A trailblazer, the Trinity, part of the Trinity, I guess. Husband, yes. My Lord, our teacher, the parent I needed, oh, God made flesh, the word of God, the way to God. Right? Emmanuel, his savior. Teacher, it's quite a big one right now. Truth, my best friend, I don't know. And that's a very honest answer, right? I don't know. Taught me how to love, guide. My God, protector. Yes. So there are many, right? Our confidant, our friend. So many. Living resurrection, wow. Human, yes. Way, yes. Lover, yes. Guardian. So many things. Who do you say I am? You know, when Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? He's emphasizing that despite what the crowd might be saying about him, what others might be saying about him, it's imperative that the disciples, that we know who he is. This awareness becomes the foundation upon which our spirituality and our relationship with God is built. Jesus is many things, as all of you have said up there. Saviour, Lord, friend, teacher, way, presence, even activist, I see that. In her book, Freeing Jesus, Rediscovering Jesus as Friend, Teacher, Saviour, Lord, Way and Presence, Diana Butler Bass says that one of the best ways for us to know who Jesus is, is the Jesus of experience. We've all experienced Jesus in one way or another, and we can grow to experience Jesus even more. So let's start with Jesus' friend, which was one of the big ones that you had earlier. Okay. Jesus' friend. 
And Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You know, when I read that verse, I always thought, oh, that's so beautiful. Jesus says, you are my friends. Wow. Then I read the second half of the sentence. It says, if you do what I command you. Right? So let me ask you this question. Right? Thus, you are my friends if... Sound conditional to you? Like, huh? First you say you are my friends, then, but uh, if, uh, if you do what I command you. Doesn't it sound kind of conditional? What do you think? Yes? No? Not sure. Okay to say not sure, huh? Yeah. Because it might not be, right? Sounds a bit conditional, right? I mean, I say, hey, I be your friend, lah, but huh? You must do this, ah. You know, like a bit. Doesn't sound very sincere, right? You know? So what does that mean? I mean like so conditional, right? Oh yes, I see a lot of people uh, think that it sounds conditional, and it does, right? In its context, it does sound like that, right? So, I used to think that it sounded so conditional, and I couldn't make sense of it. I mean, what kind of friendship is that? You are my friend if. Right? But I realized that what Jesus means by if is not about being conditional. It wasn't used in that context. He was stating what the outcome would be if we were to choose to follow. So it's not saying that you have to do this, to do that. He's taking the outcome, all right, if, if we choose to follow. Friendship is contingent on love. Real love, compassion, empathy, reaching out, going beyond what we imagine is possible. And that is the command, love. And if we reach out in love, Friendship is the result, even friendship with God. Friendship is mutual, a hand extended, which is God extending God's hand, and another reaching back. And so it has to do with a, a mutual movement, right? That if has to do with, if you will reach back out, that friendship is formed. So Jesus brought the disciples to the very heart of God and then revealed that God's heart longed for friendship. You are my friend. And in that world, when he was talking about this, that was radical. Because, you know, Caesar was considered a god by the Romans. Everyone feared him, and he had no friends. The Egyptians and the Persians, they also had their own gods. And none of these gods were friends to regular people. I mean, this is revolutionary. Because gods were meant to be satisfied their wrath appeased by sacrifices. And it's with that as a background that Jesus calls us friends and shows us that God desires to reach out to us, not as a fearsome master or judge, but as a friend. And that is radical. The story of the New Testament shows us that the risk of friendship is the risk that reshapes our lives. It was a risk for Jesus to say we are friends. It is also a risk that we have to take. But this risk reshapes us. Jesus befriends us, open our hearts to genuine love and the capacity to forgive each other, to welcome all, and to act justly in the world. Friendship actually makes us different from the person we would be if we were alone. Has that been true for you? That you are changed 
because of the friends in your life. That's how Jesus transforms us. The radical, inclusive friendship of God is highlighted in the Gospels where Jesus is accused. Such a risk, right? He's accused of being a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And many of his closest friends, his disciples, were outcasts and the marginalized. It was really an odd group of friends. And the most amazing thing is seeing how Jesus invites his friends to meals, to dinner, all of them. Whether you're respectable or not, it didn't matter. Jesus invited them to the table. The earliest followers of Jesus gathered at the table, making the meal the focus for the new community because Jesus turned the social order of table relations on its head. You see, like Jesus, we are called to be a friend to others, especially those who are outcasts and the marginalized, and to invite all to the table regardless of who they are. Recently, there has been some debate, right, regarding who should or shouldn't be denied Holy Communion. And this debate started because of a plan being put forward by the American bishops to deny communion to Catholic politicians who support abortion rights, in particular, President Joe Biden. And in response, Pope Francis cautioned the Catholic bishops against using communion as a political tool. Here in Singapore, and in many parts of the world, there are many churches who have conditions around who gets to be invited to the table and who doesn't. I wonder how many of us have been denied communion at some point in your lives for one reason or another, including being LGBTQ. And the reason why FCC practices an open table is because we take the radical, inclusive friendship of Jesus very seriously. At every communion, Jesus is the host, the one who welcomes and invites everyone. And we are all merely the servers, the guests, the partakers. Jesus did not deny or discriminate against anyone when it came to the table. And who are we to deny anyone? At the Last Supper, which is arguably the very first communion, Jesus broke bread and gave it to every person there, including those he knew would end up betraying or denying him. What greater friendship is there? Jesus as friend. And then we have Jesus as teacher. Although Christians call Jesus by many names, like what we saw earlier, those who knew him best mostly called him teacher. Of the 90 or so times Jesus is addressed directly in the New Testament, roughly about 60 times refer to him as teacher or rabbi. And Jesus is often described as teaching people, right, in, this, in the Gospels, teaching his disciples, large crowds, small groups, his friends, and even his foes. You know, the word translated as teacher was a title rabbi or rabboni, and it was a fairly new and even revolutionary term in the first century. The word rabbi did not actually mean a Jewish clergy person as it does today. During Jesus' time, it started being used to address someone whose teaching bore spiritual authority, a storyteller, an insightful interpreter of the law, 
or a particularly wise elder. To be a rabbi in the first century was to be a teacher who was crafting a new approach to Hebrew texts, traditions, and interpretations. And that's actually how innovative and challenging Jesus was as a rabbi. Challenging the texts, the traditions, and the interpretations. Jesus is our rabbi. Even as we navigate what it means to be the church, ecclesia, let us understand and follow Jesus' teachings closely because it's important for us to be able to distinguish between what Jesus taught and the human-made rules created within the church. Different churches and denominations have different rules. Right? It's important for us to test and to know if the underlying motivation is love. Because Jesus not only taught love, he embodied love. Jesus did not give us a long list of rules to be ticked off. Jesus embodied the rule of love, and we know what the greatest commandment is. The rule of love, a way of life to be followed, and taught us how to be fully, completely human. Marcus Box said Jesus was not primarily a teacher of either correct beliefs or right morals. Rather, he was a teacher of a way or path, specifically a way of transformation. I like what Susan Cottrell said. She said, before religion made it all about what we believe, a whole list of doctrines, Jesus was all about how we love. Jesus is all about how we love. And as a church, and with Jesus as our teacher, we should be known by how we love. And we try. Right? And then we have Jesus as Saviour. You know, Saviour is probably one of the most maybe frequent terms that Christians use to describe Jesus. So I have a question for you. How many times does the word saviour appear in the Gospels, as far as you know? Actually, I didn't know huh, before I actually read about this. But how many times does the word saviour appear in the Gospels? Right? Two times? Five times? Seven times? More than ten times? <laughs> yep, I see. We have some people going like, yeah, maybe seven times, the perfect number or something, right? Okay, maybe more than five times. Right, either extremes, right? Either it's like two times, very few, or many times, right? So very good. Let's see what we re result with, right? Okay, more than 10 times is getting um, more of the votes slightly, okay? Cool. So let me give you the answer, right? Interestingly, Saviour appears only twice in the Gospels to describe Jesus. Just twice. One is the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, and the other is in John 4.42, where the neighbours of a Samaritan woman proclaim, this truly is the saviour of the world. So interesting, right? Just twice, although we use it so much, so often. Other titles like teacher and rabbi actually appear far more frequently. We often think of being saved as being rescued. As in the case of Jesus' saviour, the popular concept 
um, sometimes for me growing up in the church, is that of Jesus snatching believers from the perils of hell and save us by taking us to heaven, right? Does this sound familiar? But that is actually not what the word salvation means. The word salvation comes from the Latin salvus, which originally referred to being made whole, uninjured, safe, or in good health. Salvus was not about being taken out of this life. It was about this life being healed. And in this sense, Salvus actually perfectly describes the biblical vision of God's shalom, where there's the fulfillment of God's justice and mercy, peace and well-being, comfort and wholeness. And this is the dream of a saved earth, one where oppression ends, mercy reigns, violence and exploitation ceases to exist, and all live safely and peacefully. So Jesus saves us in all these ways and more. For some of us, our need is forgiveness. For others, the need is liberation. And for still others, the need is coming home or acceptance. No matter what our experience or our deepest needs, Jesus saves. And then we have Jesus as way. And this is a familiar verse to many of you from John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This starts off so beautifully, right? So poetic. And then the next sentence, no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, wait a minute, right? Have you ever felt like this verse sounds a bit exclusionary? Like, no one comes to the Father except through me? Like, hmm. And some Christians use this verse to justify, right? That, okay, Christianity, coming to God is a very exclusive thing, okay? No one comes to God the Father but through Jesus, right? And some Christians use this verse to clobber others by clinging on to this exclusionary interpretation of this verse. And Diana Butler Bass emphasized that way, truth, and life are relational words. They're all things that Jesus says he is. Way is not a technique or a map. Truth is not a philosophy or dogma. And life is not about going to heaven. In the mystical poetry of John, God uses these terms. Jesus uses these terms to explain how he embodies a way of being in this world so close to the heart of God that God can be known in and through Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. The disciples were afraid during that time when Jesus was talking to them in John 14 because Jesus was talking about separation and leaving them. And so Jesus was trying to tell them, I am the way. And not one of you, my fearful friends, knows God apart from what I have embodied for you. So stay close. Keep faith. So when he says this, is not meant to exclude, it's not meant to be a threat, it's actually a promise. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And through me, I can embody God for you. 
there would be no way except that the love of God has made a way. It was an invitation to God's way of love, not exclusion. Like Henry Nolan says, following Jesus is moving away from fear and toward love. It was an invitation toward love. And then we have Jesus as presence. You know, sometimes in our sermons, we may not mention Jesus. And in the past, we have received comments such as, I've not heard you say one word about Jesus. Where is Jesus in your sermon? And I think we don't need to mention the name of Jesus for Jesus to be present here with us. I trust that wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus is in our midst. Where love is, Jesus is there. Jesus is known as the presence of God, made alive to us through the Spirit. And we can't separate Jesus from the Spirit because as Jesus told his disciples, I am leaving this world, but I will send you the comforter, the companion, the advocate. The Spirit of truth will testify about me. You know, to speak of Jesus as the presence is to remind us of what it means to dwell in God's presence together. The Hebrew word Shekinah comes from the word to dwell. And we sang about it earlier. And it means the majestic presence of God. Jesus dwells with us. Jesus is the home for which we have longed. And as Ecclesia, as a church, we need to grow in the way we dwell in God's presence together. You know, this pandemic has challenged us to reflect more deeply about what it means to dwell in God's presence together, even when we are physically apart. And I'm actually thankful for the opportunity to think deeper with you and be creative about what it means to be the church. As Ecclesia, which means a gathering of believers, we exist to share stories of Jesus, telling our stories and listening to others' stories. See, Jesus invites us into a story that is bigger than ourselves, bigger than our culture, bigger even than our imaginations. And yet, we get to tell that story with the scandalous particularity of our particular moment and place in time. We are storytelling creatures because we are fashioned in the image of a storytelling God. And I hope we will never neglect that gift, that gift of being able to tell stories of Jesus to one another. May we never lose our love for telling the tale. So let me ask you a reflection question. What is one thing you learned about Jesus today? Was there anything new that you learned about Jesus today? Was there anything that may not be new, but you were reminded of, that you felt like, yeah, that is what I want to take with me into the week? What is one thing you learned about Jesus today? Right. So yes, thank you that Jesus is always here with me. How true, right? Jesus is present in this time, in this place, wherever we are. The Saviour means bringing healing here and now, yes. 
that's, that our healing, that our salvas happens right now in our lives, in our world, and for the world beyond. But it happens right now. Yes. Jesus is invitational, not exclusionary. Yes. And what a relief, right? Because Jesus is. I mean, at least in all that he does in the Gospels, it shows us that. That Jesus is always present. For us to choose inclusion, just how Jesus has, that love results in friendship. Yes. And I hope that that's true for all of us, whether it's our friendship with God or whether it's our friendship with one another, to realize that love is what births friendship. The radical friendship of Jesus, yes, that Jesus taught us how to love one another. Mm -hmm. A life of brand new living. Yes, that's beautiful. What would Jesus do? WWJD, is it? Uh, Jesus has been and will always be about love. Yes. So when we look through the whole list, right, Jesus as saviour, as way, as presence, as friend, you realise that love is that intersecting theme, right? That connective tissue that pulls all of that together. We are called to follow Jesus, who he is and what he taught and did, yes. Jesus is alive and working in and through us every day. Yes, yes, yes. Salvation is a verb, yes. We have been saved. Peacemaker, yes. Him being the way is not exclusiveness, but an invitation to bring others to the Father through love. Thank you. Jesus saves us through an invitation to a journey towards wholeness. Yes, thank you. When two or more are gathered together, Jesus is with us. Mm -hmm. It begins with love. People have different definitions of who Jesus is to them. So many, right? When you saw the word cloud just now, so many. That Jesus is all of these things to all of us in different ways at different seasons in our lives. That God with us can rightly be thought of as a personal thing to each of us and to each culture. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always teaching me how to grow in life and to see me through in my darkest times. Yes. Jesus here with us. He doesn't look very different and he wants to be among us. Yes, Jesus is just like us in every way. Jesus is a personification of the way. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a way of love. And being Christian is more about love than defending beliefs. Amen. That is right. That being Christian is more about us loving than about defending all our lists of beliefs. Jesus is broken. Mm -hmm. Always present without mention. Mm -hmm. When I'm faithless, Jesus is still faithful. Yes. As Ecclesia, this connection we have between us, amongst us, not just within this community and church, but across all churches and all communities around the world, this is a reality. And what makes it a reality is because we are all in Christ. We're all in Christ. It means Jesus Christ is present in all our congregations with us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, Christian community or ecclesia means community to Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. There is no Christian community that is more than this and none that is less than this, whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily community of many years. Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus is such a central figure, even as we talk about Ecclesia, because we belong to one another through and in Jesus. So, may we be, as a community, 
be rooted in Christ and allow the Spirit to transform us daily as we grow to experience Jesus more as friend, as teacher, as saviour, as way, as presence. Amen. Will you join me in time of communion? We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we may not be all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. Like what Pauline mentioned earlier, there might be experiences that you have been turned away from the table. There are churches that practice and put rules around this table. But I find it very interesting to reflect the occasions when people eat with Jesus, even when Jesus was supposedly a guest, right? Somehow or another, it, be, it, it happens that he becomes the host. Like when he, he made himself sort of the host, when he asked Levi, the tax collector, to eat with him. And then other people got to, to eat as well, to join in the feast. So Levi wasn't really the host, even though it was his house, but Jesus was. So every time we gather here, I'm not the host, FCC is not the host, Jesus is. And you're all invited to come. One of my friends, Eric Atchison from seminary, <clears throat> said that, shared that when he was in college, he went to a church you know, as a newcomer, um, because he wanted to join the church community near campus. And when he came to communion, they invited those who were members of the church to come forward. And of course, him being the only newcomer, he wasn't invited. And what happened was that everyone was standing around the communion table, and he was in a congregation, and their backs were to him. He never went back again. We hope that in all that we do, we aspire to be welcoming. We aspire to reflect Christ's love for all. And so this table, we endeavour to be as open as we can. This table recognises no boundaries. We celebrate an open table. This means that you do not need to meet any criteria. You do not need to be a member of CC. You do not need to be baptised. You do not need to show any proof of identity. All you need to do is just receive and recognise that God's grace, God's love is sufficient. When Jesus set the tables and broke bread with tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, poor peasants, he proclaimed God's radical love and abiding presence 
know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. A, A kingdom, kingdom where, where all, all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each one of us here, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And at this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full. And there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with Pharisees, Jesus welcomed the woman viewed as an outsider. As this woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy God, we celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, the injustice, and the violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God a place of love, justice, and mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with his disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread and after giving thanks to you, Holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, this time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shared the wine gave thanks and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. May I invite the stewards to come and distribute the elements? Due to the restrictions to, um, now, uh, please don't reach out and take the communion elements on your own. Um, the stewards will hand it to you. For those who are new here, we are awake until the elements are all distributed um, and we'll partake of the elements together.
I want to invite you to pause a moment. Too often, we go through communion like a rush. Go through it like a ritual, let's get over and done with. Whether you are at home with a piece of bread, a cup of juice or just plain water, or you are here with us with these small elements, I invite you to be present, to commune with God in this moment. We may have different elements, different from the, what the disciples had with Jesus on that night, different from different churches all over the world across time. But in this moment, we commune with God. This meal is to celebrate God's love for us, to connect us more deeply, to recognize the reality of God in our lives. You are beloved. Know that always. Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine, his blood. God, God the, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God persisted and persists today to the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. Holy, Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's partake of the elements together. May I invite you to stand as you're willing and able and join in the prayer of communion. Together. Gracious, Gracious God, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal, where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And may, and may we, we share in your kingdom of love, justice, and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Uh, welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. Uh, thank you, Pauline, for the sermon. As I was listening to it, the thought that runs through my mind was that uh, we are all created in the image of God. 
So as we all have different relationship with God, different personal relationship with God, so to some of us, we know that God is a divine presence, but we often humanize God. So to some of us, God may be a authoritative male figure, father figure, or God may be a loving mother. But I'm questioning ourselves whether will we be able to see God in the crying baby, you know, that cries through the night at 2 a.m. or something like that? Will we be able to see God in the bent over old person collecting rubbish, collecting uh, waste paper cartons along the road? Will we be able to see God in the homeless people? Or will we be even be able to see God in the slop that's around us? So indeed, what we know about God and what we see and imagine about God says a lot more about us than what God means to us. So indeed, as we uh, go through this week, uh, let us reflect on our views and images of God and think about how we are able to see God in each other and see the divine in each other. So if you have enjoyed today's sermon and you found it helpful, uh, please remember to click the like button and the subscribe button on the YouTube because only through this, uh, then more people will be able to know about FCC and what FCC uh, is trying to do in Singapore and we'll be able to reach out to more people. So thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody, uh, whether you are here with us on site or online for the first time or just the first few times. We actually uh, would like to stay in touch with you. Uh, please leave us your details at fcc.lash/fcc/welcome uh, if you like to uh, if you like us to reach out to you. And we have a newcomers meeting every uh, last Sunday of the month. If you are interested to join us at the newcomers meeting, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. Uh, the link, the Zoom link, will actually be uh, emailed to you so that you may join us and find out more. Uh, about FCC from our pastors and from the leaders of the church. And now uh, we've come to the giving segment of the service. Uh, if there are two ways by which you can give, you may give by pay now, uh, by scanning the two QR codes. One actually goes to the FCC general funds, which goes to the general running of this church, uh, the salaries of the staff and the pastors, and one goes to the FCC building fund uh, to pay for the mortgage of the church. You may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia, but please note that uh, that uh, covers a certain uh, administrator's administration fee uh, covered by the platform. So as uh, we prepare our hearts to give, uh, for those people on site, if you are giving by cash, just please uh, raise up your hands, and then we'll get the stewards to bring the collection bags to you. Let us uh, give thanks now. God, indeed, we give thanks to you for creating us in your image. And though a lot of times we find difficulty seeing your presence even among the people around us and even within ourselves, we give thanks to you for Jesus, for the life of Jesus that reveals to us what your love means. And as we give back a portion of what you have given to us, 
May we continue to ask for your wisdom, your guidance. That indeed, we may make use of these resources, both financial, our time, our effort, and everything that the church does to reflect who you are and who you want us to be and who you call FCC to be. God, we lift up everything into your hands. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Now we come to the announcement segment uh, of the service. Uh, today, there's only two announcements. The first announcement is... Ta-da! Volunteers are needed. Uh, uh, this slide has actually been up for quite a few weeks already, but we have not received uh, many interested inquiries. But please do know that the production ministry is now becoming a, a, a big monster. Yeah, We should show more heart, is it? Then people will come and join us. Uh, the production ministry actually is quite a, quite a ministry that covers many facets. It includes the visual, which is the controlling of the camera. It includes the sound, which controls the sound, which today there was a bit of a technical issues problem. It includes the producer, which tries to cover all the different aspects. It includes the uh, uh, visual presenter, meaning that uh, whoever designed this slide, you still need to have somebody design this slide properly so that the uh, information and all those are shared accurately and in a pleasant way to all of you. So please, if you are interested to join the production ministry in any aspect, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. Uh, you do not have to have any skills. You do not have to have any technical backgrounds. You just need to have a heart to serve. Okay? You just need to have a heart to serve. If you are willing to serve, uh, we will be willing, we'll be very, very willing to teach and we'll be willing to uh, give you a run-through of all this and what is happening behind the scenes so that you may know and then you may participate in uh, ministry in church. So please uh, send an email to info at freecomchurch.org and then so that we can reach out to you if you are interested to serve in the production ministry. Next, we have uh, Living Water 2021 uh, is actually starting. Living Water 2021 is actually a time-limited program for reconciling faith and sexuality for men. It will begin 15th of July every Thursday evening. You may sign up at fcc.la/livingwater2021, or you may scan the QR code uh, to sign up to fill up the sign-up form. Now we invite uh, Pastor Myak for the benediction. May I invite you to stand, if you are willing and able, to receive the benediction. Friends, you who Jesus called friends, may you learn to love, not as you would love, but how Jesus would have loved. So you may bless the people around you, and you may become the transformation of the world because the love that flows through us is that which transforms us to be healers, to be teachers, to be menders, to be peacemakers, the ones who seek justice in the world, the ones who seek to help bring shalom and restoration. So go out in the name 
of our teacher, our friend, in the name of Christ, go out and love. Love abundantly, love amazingly, love even if it breaks your heart. Go in peace now and always. Amen. Please be seated and...